Savage. Hey, what's going on, Savages? How are we? Welcome back to another episode of the Savage Snowflake Podcast with us. Episode number 115, I believe. Holy moly. We're doing it, rattling through them, ladies and gentlemen, and two in one week, no less. Um, how are you guys doing? We're almost at the tail end. I feel like we're coming out of this bad place now. We, we might have some semblance of normality coming up soon. I hope you're being safe. hope you're still washing your hands, coughing into your elbows, all that good stuff, uh, wearing your mask out and about. But hopefully soon we'll be back to normal life and we can all get back to licking each other's faces and all those good things. First of all, big shout out to the brand new patrons. Thank you very much to Melanie Spatola, Taylor Faye, Derek Fitzgerald, Griffin, Toasty, Cassie Hartwig, Joel Anderson, Blake Gabehart, Jason Woodward, Soil TK, Justin Nichols, and Justin Red coming through with a $50 a month. Also, big shout out to Jason Woodward for the $35 a month, Toasty for the $50 a month. Thank you so much for all of those pledges. Appreciate you guys. Uh, looking forward to entertaining you in the forthcoming months and years, hopefully. Who knows? We'll turn it into a TV show one day. Let's get this motherfucker on a network. Um, thank you very much as well to our sponsor, cbdeeper.com. If you are struggling right now, maybe you need a little bit of anxious anxiety and depression taken away. Maybe you're feeling a little bit aches and pains and you're not feeling happy inside of your body. CBD has been proven to help with a number of those different ailments, uh, even to the point that if you have Parkinson's and you want to stop shaking like a madman and want to have the semblance of being able to have a conversation with your family without your voice being messed up it's proven that cbd oil does help with that if you want to get their products head to their website cbdeeper.com they currently have all different kinds of vapes different flavors there's sour diesel blue dream lemon berry and fruity pebbles tangy og and of course oh natural no vitamin e in any of their products no heavy metals no pesticides it's all organic southern oregon homegrown hemp uh it's all proven it's all on their website all the lab tests are there very transparent for you to see because they want you to trust them as much as they want to give you a good, great product. And if you use code SAVAGE over on their website when you check out, you'll get 10% off every order. That's code SAVAGE for 10% off at cbdeeper.com, ladies and gentlemen. All right, joining me today is one of my good buddies in the comedy industry. He's the host of the very successful In Hot Water podcast over on Compound Media. He's also uh, an internationally touring stand-up comedian from Canada originally, now living in New York City. It's Mr. Aaron Berg. How you doing, brother? Hello, Jeff. How are you today? I'm doing all right, thank you. I'm doing all right. What's uh, what's uh, what's going on in your life? You look like you're you got your pump back on. First of all, we we're just talking about the fact that you finally bought some dumbbells, so you can some return to the Bowflex uh, adjustable dumbbells. Those go from five to fifty-two point five pounds with the mere click of a switch. Wait, what is a this, great wait, product. is this a new sponsor? Is this a UP yes. Bowflex five two five dumbbells. Get them while you can. No vitamin can. E, no heavy metals in them. They're there wonderful. You and you had to buy it from uh, a Chinese man for double the price you normally have to pay. I had to go, well, almost double the price. Uh, we drove about 15 minutes away. He goes, I have them in my garage. Someone made an offer for $5.50. And I go, I'll give you six cash. I'll be there in 20 minutes. I didn't want to lose them. Yeah. Took my wife with me. Uh, I go back up just in case things got ugly. You never know. And, and, <laughs> and it's a COVID purchase. So I go, uh, I go, is it cool if you wear a mask and gloves? Cause my wife is high risk. Now, as you know, I am all for Liberty. So I only wear a mask when my wife is around. Otherwise I run around grocery stores coughing on people because that's my right as almost an American. Right. So we go there, he brings them out. They've been rubbed down with alcohol. And then I, uh, I put them in the trunk and then I spray them with disinfectant. And while I'm doing that, there's a lady watching and she goes, you look like a lady doing that. And I said, well, thank you very much. If I don't do it, my wife will. So then uh, I came home and I was so excited. Now I got these dumbbells. I'm going to train arms today. It's going to be great. When I you love have, the fact we, that you live in an area. Oh, sorry. Go on. Carry on, mate. Yeah, it's just great. It's, it's, it's good to work out. It's good weight. to feel. Well, it's also your, you, I mean, you used to professionally compete in uh, bodybuilding. Top, well. top level amateur, national level amateur. Okay. So yeah. not being able to do something that has been inherently a part of your genetic code for so many years you know what i mean like this is who you are you love working yeah, out it's big but it's also i feel like you also have to change after a while like i should be leaving weights behind and doing yoga or doing brazilian jujitsu or something because i'm not flexible anymore my body hurts my body feels heavy like i have that old bodybuilder type right, body right, right, now yeah, where yeah. it's like 
everything cracks, everything hurts. And it's from years of just like, I've got bone spurs. I've got arthritis. I've got a torn bicep. Yeah. And it's all just stuff I work through, but I don't necessarily know if it's the best. And no. bodybuilding mentality is also a very selfish, competitive mentality. And I don't feel like as you get older, that's the best thing to have. So I don't know. I mean, I need to change, but it's also old habits die hard, you know? I wasn't expecting such a depth of answer, actually. That's, that's, <laughs> I love that you, the Corona clearly has got to you because you've started to go, I mean, what even am I as a bodybuilder anymore? What does that mean about who I am and who I need to be yeah. for the future, for my career and my family and my child? That's, yeah. But you're right. You're fucking right, actually. Like, the, you know what? Or I will say, in, in terms of a very amateur way, down at the gym, I like there's there seems to be a, a nice camaraderie between guys who lift and 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 if you if you're open to not assuming that every big bulky dude is a piece of shit and just going like hey man do you mind spotting me or hey could you show me how to do that or whatever if you show an interest those guys are pretty forthcoming in being like yeah of course buddy yeah 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 let me show you yeah you could do this you could do that I always feel there's a good sense of community there but I also know what you're talking about in terms of understanding that at different parts of your uh your maturing as a as a human you have to make different decisions about what you do with your body you know because right now you need to be able to pick up a kid and put her on your shoulders and run around with her and you don't want to be in another 10 15 years crippled in a chair and not able to pick up your grandkids because all your fingers and your hands are busted and all your arms yeah and also i hope i don't have grandkids in 10 years because that would mean my daughter had children when she was 12 and a half i mean it's america Yeah, I I would hope maybe in 25, 30 years. I don't even know if I'll be alive. That's one of the things about having a kid later in life. You're a no mask wearing libertarian type and uh, who likes going down to grocery stores and coughing on people. There's a pretty much a 50% chance right now that your child will have her own children at 12. Just so you know. Sounds awful. I don't really go to grocery stores and cough on people. I wear I wear a mask in a grocery store. I don't wear a mask outside in right. parks. Uh, I, I'll wear a mask if there's people around. I did a show the other day. I did a stand up show, and they I were saw like that on the back of a flatbed of a truck. Yeah, so like, it was like a drive-in movie theater, but of stand up comedy. Tell me about that. Yeah. Uh, well, they were like, bring gloves. So I got there and Joe List was there and John Fish and Sarah Tolomash and my wife came. That's a great lineup. Yeah, and uh, it was, and Jay Nog hosting, so that balanced it out. It went from great to okay. And then uh, it, it was a wonderful time. It was great to do stand-up again. And you'll see your brain does not work as quickly as it did oh, on no, stage. I know. I'm terrified of those first on-stage shows again because... It's even just, it, it, I don't know about you, but even if I have like a week or two weeks out of stand-up, like, you know, some other project comes up, you're writing on something or you're doing some things, you go, oh, God, I, I don't I haven't even booked anything for myself. And I have those two dead weeks or one dead week. And when I go back first time on stage, there's a little part of me just going, am I going to fuck this up? Because I don't know what I'm doing anymore. Like, is there a little part of me that's... Yeah, I was nervous, like the first time nervous, where you're like, oh, I don't want to do, I don't even want to do that. And then... Uh, you start thinking and you're like, what am I going to, and I've, I've been doing it long enough to know, don't think, because right, that's right, right. the enemy of funny for me. So I was like, okay, just don't think, just go up. And I went up and of course it goes well, but it's like, you don't know what's coming next and your brain's not making the same connection. And you know, my act is I have no act. There's like lines in there that I do, but it's all spur of the moment. Absolutely. It's a lot of crowd work. It's very much like looking at people in the audience and drawing yeah. out the funny from them which is hard to do when they're behind a pane of glass and half of them are how did they actually do the audio for that was it because you had a speaker and you had a microphone but did they tune into the radios as well yeah they tuned into the radio and i guess the first comic they were like honk instead of laughing so they were honking but then the cops showed up and they're like hey you got to stop honking this is a problem so then jay nog was like just flicker your lights and i was like i don't need that so would you be funny? You could see the people dying. You can see them dying laughing, and most of them had their windows open. How so well did the show go, laughing. baby? Well, I no longer have retinas, so yeah. I think you know uh, I'm, like how a, good I'm like a deer that's getting hit on an inter interstate highway. Uh, but it was good. It was good to do it. But I realized this: I didn't, I didn't miss it. You know, throughout it, I wasn't jonesing for it. 
and, and that's a wake up call too. Wait and for stand up for stand up. Yeah. Right. Okay. And I talked to Jeff Ross, like maybe six weeks in and right. I go, I go, you know, I'm going to do this till I retire. I'm sure you're the same way. And he goes, I don't know. He goes, it doesn't own me anymore. He's like, I took six months off after bumping mics. And I was like, I'm okay without it. So it's an interesting thing because what I feel like when you're younger and you're doing it, you're like, I got to do this all the time. This defines who I am. Sure. And it was amazing to not do it. But I had I had the flip side before Corona and I, I might be responsible for Corona because I was like, I really need a break. I really want time to spend with my daughter and to be home. And then all of a sudden, woman it needs happened, a bat. Yeah. And then uh, it was amazing how it worked out. So, it's amazing yeah. what you can have someone do in China for five euros, you know, or five dollars on Fiverr. Yeah, com. can you, you, can you, can eat, you a eat a bat, bat and send me a video? <laughs> so it worked out so well. And then throughout the quarantine, I was like, why are we even going to go back to New York? I go, if, this, if the clubs aren't going to open, the only reason we live in New York is to do stand-up all Absolutely. the time. Yeah, 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 yeah. If it's not there, why don't we move somewhere nice, live on the ocean, get a boat for less than we pay rent? Yeah, yeah, yeah. In a, in a row house, and uh, you, you know, know you sound like, like you sound like a dad. You sound like a dad whose priorities have changed, and a man who's looked at his career and gone, "I've already achieved a number of incredible things." Yeah. And sure, there's more things that you want to do. I know you have different ambitions that that, that are still in the pipeline and things that you're working on. But, um, dude, I'm. I first of all, I want to say that I I don't think not missing stand up for a period of time remotely suggests in any way, shape, or form that you are not passionate about the craft of stand up or that you don't love doing it. You know, like I think it just means that you're a better, um, an infinitely more balanced person than a lot of comics are. Comics generally, that's the only thing they can do. First of all, which yeah. is not true of you. Also, and it's just throwing another little devil's advocate point of view um you also have an outlet for performance that a lot of right. other people don't have which is with the show in hot water and doing those kind of shows on compound media that you do you, like you create content and i haven't missed stand up i don't get me wrong like i've I missed it like i want to do it again i'm i'm looking for, i'm excited about the next time i get to do it properly in a club and get to feel that laughter and you know there's something really fucking validating and incredibly egocentric about it that i i'm not going to deny that i love but there's another part of me that goes i'm performing every day now every single day i'm performing to an audience online and i'm cracking jokes and i'm doing voices and i'm improvising and i'm doing character sketches and i'm playing fucking video games i'm doing like a ton of shit that I love and it's all performance based. And I think you're similar that you have an outlet for the performance base. So you don't have to miss as hard the going down and doing your 15 minutes in a New York club on a Thursday night, you know, and maybe there's a part of it. That's that maybe it doesn't necessarily mean that you're, cause it sounds like you're going through a few, um, a few quite. No, I, I mean, I know I'll jump back into it, but I also realized I don't do stand up for myself necessarily because like you said i have other forms of artistic expression i do stand up for audiences i do stand up to make people laugh and make people feel good uh which also is part of what gives me the permission to push as far as i push you know to say all the things that most people can't say that right. i get away with because it's not for me it doesn't come from a place of hate it comes from a place of i want these people to laugh harder than they would anywhere else. Sure. So that's why I get to push that that envelope so much. And you know, people call it boundary push. It's just saying really bad stuff, but in a way that it makes people laugh. So it's it's all about the audience for me, which which is something I realized. You know, years ago, it's like I got to tell these stories. I got to get this off my chest. And now it's like I, I wrote like a brilliant joke, and it's a little one liner, and it's incredibly offensive. And I ran it by my wife and she goes, it's a one-liner, it's hack. And I go, no, it's brilliant because it's so short. And it's like, it definitely works. It definitely hits. Uh, so it's interesting to see the difference of where I am and where my wife is. You know, she needs to bleed this stuff. She needs to say it. She's like 10 or 12 years in, whereas I'm almost 20 years. And I'm like, okay, I do this for a living. I do it so these people enjoy it. The more that people enjoy it, Seinfeld said, killing is the way to money. If you're killing you're going to make money doing it. 
Um, so it, it's that thing where it's like, I almost take myself out of the equation now and I'm like, okay, they're going to enjoy it. And that's it. It's fun to get back. But I also, I would not be miserable if for two years we could only do online shows. I wouldn't care. Do you think, um, that's interesting. That's interesting. Cause I think I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm around the same as your, you know, you, you mentioned your wife a few times. So Christine, me and Berg is a comedian as well. So you guys both incredibly funny people and um i'm nearer her level like, i'm 10 years in mm-hmm. but i uh i understand what you're saying your approach to it now i understand that it's a job element of it yeah um, but i do think i still probably have a little bit of christine's kind of nuance which is but i also i need this for me but yeah. I also understand. I mean, there's nothing. I don't think there's anything wrong with approaching um, art as you know a way to pay your your child's keep your child in nappies and put food on the table. I don't think that's. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I think that that that's that's something that will happen to me when I become a parent. I you know I yeah. I did that previously when I raised someone else's child. I definitely felt more of an element of I have to go and work and be funny and get booked and make sure I keep on top of my bookings because I want to make sure I'm bringing enough money to provide um but yeah does that does it sadden you to feel like you've lost a bit of the personal joy of the practice of doing comedy or do you know I mean joy? I still love it I love I love being able to come up with offensive things that are still going to be funny i love being able to throw all the rules out the window but i think that there's more of a balance there now and i also i'm very wary of like you know doing it for money but i also think uh there's a point where it's like okay oh i don't have to do every show now i don't need to drive over hell's half acre for 500 bucks uh because throughout this i'm like oh i'm able to make a good enough living without doing stand-up which used to be my core living, you know, but thank, thankfully due to the show and Patreon and some other stuff that came in, it's like, Oh, I could do this. I, I could be a, a working class guy without being a working class standup. So it's interesting. I, I wouldn't quit. I would still do it, but there's also a part of me that's like, I don't need to, you know, I, what I'm taking from this shutdown is I don't need to run every night and do it. And I, and I hope that now I can work at a high, high enough level that it'll make me not suck. You know, that if I'm out four or five nights a week, instead of six or seven, I'm still going to be able to maintain, you know, being on top of my game. And that's, that's what my hope is. I think if I work smarter instead of harder, that'll work. Absolutely. It's interesting having that that turning down a gig thing because that's quite a nice little. I, I'm not sure anyone who doesn't necessarily work in um in the creative arts as their you know main source of paying rent might not understand it, but there is something very poignant about that first moment. And I remember that when you first turn down a gig, a paid gig, because you go, sure, it pays two hundred bucks or whatever, or like you know back in England, two hundred fifty quid, but I'm gonna have to drive for three hours to get there or like two hours to get there and two hours back. It's four hours of driving. And I, do I really want to, and like uh, it's, it's for a fucking venue that has a string of venues and there's going to be loads of bachelorette parties and bachelor parties there. And like, I'm going to have fun, but also I'm not going to really get to develop. And like, I'm, I'm basically just going to pick up fucking $250 or whatever. Yeah. And I don't, I don't, I can't be fucking bothered. I'd much rather stay home tonight, do a little writing, watch an episode of something, cook myself a lovely dinner and just sit down. Like that yeah. actually is worth more to me right now. And I remember the first time giving up a gig, a paid gig, and um, questioning whether that meant that I didn't, no longer wanted to do that for a living anymore. But I, you know... There comes a point, I think, when your integrity and your sense of happiness overrides identifying as your job, you know, to be like, I'm a comic. But it's, you know, on the, on the flip side, it's like uh, I talked to Paul Verzi the other night, very funny comic. And I guess he was on Instagram live and he's like, these people did this drive in show. Why would anyone do that? That's not stand up. So I Instagram live them and we had this chat and I told them all about and I go as a comic that wants to get better, you need 
you know this. You need to do shitty gigs. You need to. I go. I, sure. I've I've done stand up comedy in Rikers Maximum Security Penitentiary. Now I've done well, stand up. Well, you were in- you were in there for a six month stint. That was you know. No, had nothing to do with that. I was. I was. I wasn't there by uh, choice, Aaron. Do you know what I mean? No, no, I would not want to be inside of Rikers, especially uh, now that they let everybody out right away. Well, the irony of of you ending up in a maximum security prison of any sort is that the identifiable group that would probably want to hire you would be the neo Nazis, and yet you are a Jewish man, so you would. Yeah, I'd have to keep that real quiet. I don't. If they found out your surname, you'd be in trouble. But you look like you could make a great. Bag. My <laughs> bag. name is Bag. Bag. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but it's like, so I was like, yeah, you got, you got to do these shitty shows. And you know, he opens for Bill Burr at Madison Square Garden. So then, you know, he went from being like, yeah, these gigs are shit. What is not stand up? And I go, I go, yeah. So, uh, you know, it's still developmental. He goes, you know what? I would say if I lived in Queens and it was in Queens, I would, I would probably show. I go, so you're saying you would do it? And he goes, yeah, I would do it. I go. Thank you. There you go. It's yeah. amazing to see, you know, uh, and I love Verzi, but it's amazing to see people that have opinions on what they think stand up is and then be like, yeah, I would do it because, you know, they haven't been on stage for 10 weeks either. So yeah. it's a good thing. And my justification was New York City got hit really hard. These people, those 42 cars that were there were dying to see live comedy, dying to. So, you know, that's me taking myself out of the equation. It's not about me getting a hundred bucks for 10 minutes. It's about these people are going to enjoy it for at least the 10 minutes that I'm up there and dare, hear shit that they haven't I been able to hear. It, dare I say it, maybe, maybe becoming a father has softened you somewhat to the level where you're becoming more altruistic in the in your approach to the the why you do comedy like you maybe it's not just a case of going yeah i now just view it as a job and a way to make money and if that's no longer an option to me why am i going to live in new york city when i can go and live on a beach and a four-bedroom house for the same price i'm paying for a two-bed or three-bed in in in, you know blah, blah 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 but yeah maybe there's another part to it which is you do it to give to people who need it do you know yeah. what I mean? Like, and 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 it's you know, I, I quite like that. That's Jesus Christ. Maybe you're becoming a, you're ch- you're you're becoming charitable with your comedy. Aaron. Sure, I've always been charitable for the last year. <laughs> really? Yeah, but in I what do a way? Whole bunch in what charities. way? Oh, I don't uh, mean doing things specifically for a charity stream. I don't mean uh, that. I mean your day to day going in. The reason you're doing it. A lot of people do it because they like. I know there is definitely a percentage of why I do stand up which is solely to fuel my own needs to be validated by a group of strangers through laughter. I know that's what yeah. it is. Um, you know, and that's, of course, you know, you could trickle down the, the the history and go, well, that's probably due to desperation for love and appreciation from people in an immediate manner because you didn't necessarily feel like I got it when I was a kid from the right people and blah, 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 blah. But... I would like to think there's, as you mature and as you grow a little bit more um, experience in the world of any kind of art, you understand more of why your audience, it resonates with your audience. You understand what it does for them, how it heals them, which God fucking forbid, like, I I hope we come out of this thing, you know, pretty soon. I think there's going to be uh, potentially another spike because everyone's rushing back out and straight back into the world. So we'll see what happens there in terms of deaths. But the one thing that people, like you say, and the same as those 46 cars pulling up to see some stand-up comedy in a, in a drive-through format, which is weird as fuck, there are going to be so many people who are desperate to laugh at the end of whatever million deaths or million and a half deaths there have been, you know, uh, due to COVID-19. It's going to be... Yeah, there's just... been 101,000. In, in America, in America, State. yeah. I think yeah. it's a million worldwide or something. Uh, and, and I would think that you would assume that now that America is back to rioting and protest and a cop-related killing, that we've come out of this because the sense of normalcy, as ugly as it is, has returned to America. And I think that you will look at states uh, like Florida, which prior to this would have been called, you know, the dumbest state in the union and see the way that they handled it. Uh, and, and that's the state you're going to be looking at because they loosened all of their restrictions really early. It's been a week and a half or two weeks 
and you're not hearing about numbers going through the roof. And Florida was the place where you thought it was going to be a veritable deathbed because it was old people galore. Uh, and the numbers well, the didn't old, the, the old people weren't the ones running out down to the beaches, though, were they? It was No, like- but those are the people that should be dying when their kids are running out to the beaches and their grandkids are running I out to the beaches. I see what you're saying, people going over and visiting. Home. Maybe just uh, everyone in Florida is a shitty kid and they never visit their elderly relatives. Could be that. That's quite a possibility. Uh, but to watch what happens in Florida, I think, is going to be important. Uh, but New York is a different... New York is not America, and people forget that all mm. the time. New York is not typical American. Yeah, nor, nor is Los Angeles. Yeah, I'm aware right. of that. They're, bu- they're definitely bubbles, you know. Um, and New York is going to take longer to rebound. But I think the more people look at numbers and look at the actual death toll in comparison to the number of infections, people will start to get back. But also New York's, the veins that run through the body that is New York City is the subway. Right. And that you remember, it's people this close to your fucking face. Oh, yeah, and yeah. I don't think anyone is mentally in that type of position to get that. I, I'll walk the dog. I wear no mask, I smoke a cigar. Uh, I've got a neighbor down the street and uh, he'll, he used to wear a mask and then he saw me wearing no mask. So he's like, I'm going to take my, I'll walk my dog with no mask yeah, and we yeah. talk you know, four or five feet away from Oh, you guys other. walk around the whole neighborhood touching all the door handles, give him a, yeah. just give him one of those. <laughs> Licking yeah, no, the, the Amazon packages. Uh, so I think people are going to start to wake up to it, but I also think people can't be stupid about it. I don't think, I think if you go on the subway and you're going to ride the subway, you're going to be really aware. My hand is touching this pole. I can thousand people in the last 10 minutes have touched. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's like, okay, there we go. Don't touch anything for a bit. I think if you're smart about it, you're going to be okay. You know, we ran to the hills because my wife is high risk because she was on like low dose chemo meds because she has Sjogren's disease, which is an autoimmune disease. And we were like, if she gets it, she's going to die. And we went to Delaware for eight weeks. And then we're like, okay, I I don't think you're going to die from this. Um, you know, then she started going to Home Depot and shit. And I'm like, this is where it lived. <laughs> it's like, you're inside the, of a Home Depot. This is the only store where everyone seems to be going as well. Well, I I, we, I, I was going to ask, next question I was going to ask you actually was about things that you might have achieved over the eight weeks that you would never normally have done or have gotten into. Um, my example is my girlfriend and I, I, I found that there was this big eight foot planter outside and I, I, I filled it and we, grown vegetables and we now have a, a, a thriving vegetable garden in the little alleyway down the side of our apartment complex it looks fucking beautiful dude and i got like astro turf and perennials and a couple of deck chairs out there i got we created a garden in a space yeah. that was literally a disused alleyway basically alongside our apartment you know um but home depot you saw everyone went to home depot because you could see every miserable looking tired browbeaten husband in there who has no longer got an excuse for not putting up that shelf or fixing that hole or you know what i mean so every one of those guys is there every mexican guy in los angeles is down there i mean i've never seen so many dudes hanging around outside like please give me some fucking work just please give me some work and then um and hipsters man all the hipsters i mean that's why i felt a bit sad that they were all in the gardens part of it because i was like am i a hipster now does that make me a hipster a lot of hipster no, kids. Yeah, you can't just throw a label on yourself because you go to the same store as everybody. I don't know, trade. man, but that's where they're all flooding to. Although I filled a hole in the door, you know, as well. I did punch yeah. the hole in the door, but that's not, you know, it's a separate issue. Did you? Yeah. Have you ever punched uh, a hole in a, You must have punched a couple of holes in walls or doors, right? Yeah, years ago. I don't do it anymore because I know logically if you punch a hole in the wall, the, the, wall the, next, thing is, it, it, the next thing is usually the woman in the house. So you have to oh. avoid doing yeah you can't yeah my girlfriend wasn't in the house when i punched the hole in the door it, it was yeah, an unrelated really matter. Bad. i i i deal with i take walks now instead of punching stuff i fight that That's urge and I yeah. go, i'm gonna take a walk yeah i go going outside i'm gonna walk do you remember that uh, greg Giraldo on midlife vices he has a whole bit about white guys love punching doors like we, we we're, we're punching walls we love punching holes in walls or drunk douchebags i think he was more talking about alcoholics which is you're an alcoholic i'm an alcoholic so i think we you know we at least agree that it's we make dumb decisions when drunk but i did this sober but there's a sense he goes there's never been a good outcome it's never like you punch a hole in a wall 
And they're like, oh my God, look, there's that baby that was missing for three weeks in the cavity yeah. of the wall behind. It's, but sometimes you need to fucking hit something as well. Yeah. Yeah. That's, a, that's a thing that calms over time. But, you know, also maybe you should, Brazil, Brazilian jiu-jitsu, jiu maybe that's what I should take up as well. Just something where yeah. I can hit something, but in a calm, meditative manner. I stopped going to therapy throughout this. I was going to therapy all the time. My therapy was causing more problems than solutions. That's your step in the right direction is giving up the, the therapy. I mean, I I haven't gone. I did the first set teen, and then I was like, I'm not going to do this anymore. Okay. Um, Why did you decide to um, step back? Well, from I don't like, I didn't like the therapist. He was the therapist that all the comedians would go to in okay. New York City. And it was just like, you'd be doing fine. And then he'd push more problems on you. And I understand how there's this notion of, well, emotions are like muscles. So you got to work through the shit to get to the better stuff. But then I was also like, you know what? I've been happy before. My happiness has nothing to do with therapy. They, right. they don't care. He's like, happy's just one emotion. Why should you have to just feel happy? You should feel misery and pain and stress. And it was like, I was like, I don't need this. So now with the money I save, I buy cocaine. And uh, I just take that and I do the cocaine. Is that frowned upon? No, it's fine, man. Whatever you. Gotta <laughs> I don't do. really. I know I you don't. don't. Do I know you don't. I know you don't. I just, I just don't spend the money that I used to spend, and I feel better. And I feel like you, you kind of mentally start to trust yourself again when you stop throwing everything over to a therapist. I'm, I'm incredibly um, split on the world of therapy because everyone I've ever met throughout my entire life, and who I, who I do respect, and I, people I do admire, and I do think are good people, have often said like, you know, have you ever thought about seeing a therapist? Have you ever tried that? And uh, there's a big part of me that thinks that just offloading your problems to someone who is not directly involved in your problems is a healthy thing. Like, it's good to offload some of those fucking dark, miserable, sad, angry, whatever thoughts, emotionally charged thoughts to someone who then you don't have to then live with or date or be married to or have a child with or be best friends with or work with. It's good to put that energy elsewhere. And that in itself is a healthy thing, a healthy outlet. But, um, you know, we were talking about this just before we start recording. You know, I was trying to help a friend today who was going through a bit of a, an issue. And three years ago, I wanted to kill myself and tried. And I've been manically dep clinically depressed since a very young age. And yet I'm now in the most healthy mental state I've ever been in. And I don't feel any of that, um, any suicidal thoughts. I don't feel 99% of my depression has evaporated. Well, not evaporated. It has been calmed, quelled, and controlled by self-applied therapy and i really believe that if you can do enough reading research and work on yourself a lot of what a therapist can do for you you can do for yourself you know yeah and i also think if you have a bad therapist or a therapist that's not good for you it's gonna make it a nightmare Absolutely. every tuesday Absolutely. i would go to therapy every tuesday night i would come home my wife and i would go at it because of therapy now, what were, you would discuss things with your therapist that you, then he would sort of suggest, well, maybe she needs to try and support you better in this way. And then you come home sure. and relay yeah. that. And then she go, hey, yeah. it's not my fucking fault. Yeah. Yeah. So, there you go. Yeah. Sometimes part of being a man is just keeping your fucking mouth shut. <laughs> Never have truer words been spoken. Dude. You just go, I'm feeling this. I mean, Bursa, you sometimes you just take it, you push it down and then you figure out another way to deal with it later. That is, you don't always, you don't always have to speak your mind immediately in a relationship. Well, I'm still learning not, that lesson a little it bit. It's not honest. the best thing to do all the time. No. And sometimes your wife doesn't give a shit what you think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because, well, or I'm she doesn't she doesn't actually want to know what your response to a situation is. She just wants you to support her response. She needs you to support where she's at emotionally and really not, you know, involve your own feelings. Because as much as there's a, a, you know, look, out of the two of us, I would say me especially, I'm a little bit of a, a progressive mindset. And I'm not saying you're, you you don't have progressive uh, ideas. I'm just saying. I do have progressive ideas. Yeah. I'm just saying that. Yeah. I'm just saying, look, you're definitely a bit more of, a, you know, the, 
the the liberty, free speech, let me just fucking, come on, a man's got to be a man kind of thing attitude. Yeah. I'm, I'm a little bit more of the flouncy, like, yeah, man, but we should talk about our feelings. Yeah, let's really do that. Mm-hmm. Despite that, I also know that there are, I believe that there are inherent gender differences that are due to thousands, tens of thousands of years of fucking genetic coding that literally just makes us we're different. We're different creatures. We can't be treated the same in every situation. We can't be understood the same in every situation. And we will not respond the same in every situation, whether you're a man or a woman. Like, it's just, it's not going to happen. And it's okay. That's okay. And I think maturity is understanding the places, especially when in a relationship, maturity in a relationship is understanding the places where it's okay to be archetypally a man or archetypally a woman and understand that hey i need to just pretend like i'm not hurting right now because i'm a man and be supportive for her because that's what she needs and if i don't do that it's going to turn into an argument or it's going to cause some issue and you know as as uh independent and successful and talented as my girlfriend is sometimes she wants to just know that i'm going to be a big strong man and be there to look after her do you know what i mean in some simple ways yeah it's definitely uh those qualities are important it's i the two things equal pay is a very important thing because women and men are doing the same job but then why is it i can go to the grocery store get everything done in 20 minutes and be home but yesterday my wife goes and it takes two hours and then i was like oh maybe equal pay is not such a good idea because she's really slow at getting groceries so if this would (laughs) this would rolls over into other aspects and that she goes you know we're very careful with where we go because of corona but then she goes and takes a shit in the stop and shop bathroom and i go what's taking so long she goes i had to shit and i go you're worried about me so going what you're suggesting work. however though listen aaron you know what's gonna happen if if you are so what you're suggesting occasional occasional momentary lapses in common sense perhaps and potentially taking a lot longer to do a particular task than you do however i guarantee that if we sat my girlfriend and your wife down and went hey what's something that we take way too fucking long about or we overanalyze or take too long to get done as a task because we they would immediately be able to rattle off a few as well do you know what i mean probably true but you and i would not shit in a public toilet while doing it that i guarantee you i could not shit in a grocery store toilet even if i had like drunken diarrhea i would would, wait oh no i'm i'm not with you i'm with christine uh on this one because I had years of IBS, self-imposed IBS because of the amount of drinking and drug taking I was taking. And I would literally be walking down the street. I remember walking down the street in London, maybe, what what am I now, 36. So I must have been um, 21, 15 years ago. And I was walking down the street in London. I was with my friends. We had a heavy night the night before. We were all fucked up that morning. We were still doing lines of coke just to get into the day and stuff. I remember walking down the street and going like, I'm going to shit my pants like na- right now It'll, from literally just like, Hey, where are we going? What pub are we going to? Where are we going to go and party to like, Oh, I'm going to shit myself. And I ran into the nearest grocery store and the little Indian guy was like, hello, how can I help you? And I was like, I, brother, I need to, please. Can I borrow your toilet? He went, Oh, we have no toilet here. No toilet here. I was like, where do you shit? Where do you take a shit? Cause you definitely don't do it behind the counter. He's like, is like, not he's Indian? It was probably on a beach. Did he give <laughs> directions to the beach? He said, well, you know what I do is I jump in the bus, I fly there. Yeah. No, but he yeah. was like, I just, I, I, he said, it's not for customers. Not. And I was like, I'm, I'm going to give you two choices, man. Either I get to use your restroom and I'm going to, I'm going to give you some money and I'm going to purchase, I'll get, a, I'll get a lot, bottle of wine. I'll get some stuff. There's 20 quids. There's 20, like there's 40 bucks back in there. There's 40 bucks. I'm going to spend that in this store. Please let me use your toilet. Or the other option is I'm going to stand here. And I'm gonna shit my pants in your to- in your store, and your whole store is gonna smell like shit. And I'm gonna be coming in shit. And he was like, "Oh, mm-hmm. bloody hell, fucking bastard! You're going to fucking toilets." It wasn't happening. Nice. And I had oh. a good old shit in there. And you know what? I That's... flushed it, and a little bit of the shit came back up, and I left it. That's dirtbag shit. This is you. You would have been a viral video if this happened two years ago. It was I've only seen... a tiny little. It was a tiny little nugget. Aaron, it doesn't but matter. I felt like, no, I flushed Tim it. Hortons in canada 
One woman asked to use the bathroom. They wouldn't let her. Remember, she shit right in front of the counter. Just shit and threw it. Oh, at I lady. saw that. Oh, my God. And yeah. she like threw a bit of it over at the guy who was serving behind yeah. the counter. Yeah, I mean, she was mentally unstable. I was stomachly you, you, unstable. You did the exact same thing. No, but I took a poop. I flushed it. And then a tiny little bit came back up. And I went, you know what? You I'm not going to do a second flush. on an Indian's man floor if you didn't take your 20 quid. No, I was never going to do that. I just wanted to threaten him with that because I needed to shit like an adult and an an, like a human, not like a, a rabid animal in the fucking streets in a so corner of an alleyway. In, in this guy's deli. And then you go, you go right back to the pub. No, I spent my 20 quid. I gave him the money and I bought a couple of items and then I went to the pub. Yeah. And I carried on drinking yeah, and, you, go. you know, God bless you for getting better. Good. <laughs> yeah, I was pretty sick, actually. Sick yeah. emotionally and mentally and physically. It's funny re reminiscing. Do you ever do you ever get any? Um, You've been sober for a long, long time now, haven't you? Yeah, it's been a day, almost a day. Hey. I'm smoking weed again. I'm L.A. sober. Are you really? Yeah. That's hilarious considering how much shit you gave me when I came Why? onto the say? show. You came, I came onto the show and you were like, oh, Leech, so you're sober now, huh? Good for you, man. I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's been, it's been a while. You're like, how are you getting on? I'm like, yeah, it's been quite a few months. You know, I said, I still, you know, I don't do any, any other drugs and I don't drink. I still smoke a little weed because I do think it has medicinal benefits. It helps me. It helps stabilize emotional feelings. It's it's calming. As long as I don't start overusing it like I do anything else. And you were like, ah, you're not sober. Fuck you. You're not sober. You're full of shit. So, you um, so that's why you say one day. All right. How long have you not no done everything else except? Since, uh, what, six six years and change? That's that a drink. Man. Yeah. Do you, ever, do you ever ever have pangs of missing the... I don't miss booze at all. No. Really? Weed is nice. I like it. But then like when it's time, I'll smoke three puffs a night. And when it gets time, I start to get edgy. When it's like around seven or eight at night, I'm like, oh, I can't wait. I'm like, okay, okay. To have a little ready. puff on the weed pen. Put Piper to sleep and then uh, take three puffs. But um, I, I mix it with CBD and I grind it all up. So it's a I mixture. Exactly the same thing. Exactly the same yeah. thing, man. Can I ask you, um, do you mind talking about why? Why Why do you Why did you change your sort of stance on? When quarantine started, I was like, I'm going to smoke weed through this thing. Because That's quite it a big was, decision uh, for someone who's been completely sober. No, I'd, I'd been years. on and off. I'd smoked on and off, you know, in, in those years. But This motherfucker, I, you gave me so much shit that day. And I believe I was joking with you. Nah, you did but it a I, number I, of times. You're an awful, I was like, awful I was human like, being. How dare you? Delaware. I'm like, I'm smoking every night. So I would smoke and then I, I would go put Piper up to bed back then. And it was beautiful. I'd just tell her story. I tell her stories every night now. So it's like now we've got seven stuffed animals she sleeps with. So I do the voices of all the stuffed animals. And there's three little lambs and the lambs walk by and they go. T -t -t -t. And then I turn one of the lambs head and I go, hi, Papa. And then lamb walks off she has a great time and it's fun and then i sing to her i sing her ed sheeran before she falls asleep every night what song what ed sheeran song are you singing well i sing the song my wife and i got married to which is uh i forget it and it's weird to sing it to your kid because some of it sounds too rom romantic so i need yeah. to change this is why she's gonna have her own children at 12 years old because your daddy's coming daddy's coming in baked off his tits every night and fucking singing songs about boning and romance it's not she's boning it's ed sheeran it's a love song he's, he must be a hero of your country let me hear oh yeah he's uh he's actually the new king that we we made him king now did you love did you ever meet him he must have come i have met ed sheeran yeah a couple of times no i used to host a lot of um TV shows for BBC about like music shows and music festivals. So I met him a couple of times. Yeah. He seems like a nice guy, actually. He's a pretty chill dude. Seems I saw him at Barclays Center live. It, yeah. it was a great show. Yeah. And what got me into it was years ago, I watched Live from the Artist then, a special that he did. And it was so good. Do you um, do the accent at all? No, he doesn't sing with an accent. A little bit. He's got, he's got a little bit of British accent. Sometimes, sometimes when he's singing, he does a little. Couple of his songs, he How's does. How's it go? How's it go? A little bit of British accent. <laughs> I've never heard it before, but it's very entertaining when you I, do it. I want to. I want to hear you sing 
Ed Sheeran with I just got when your legs don't work like they used to before. And I can't sweep you off with your feet. But then it gets creepy, so I change the words. Because the next verse is, will your mouth still remember the taste of my love? And oh, my God. You can't say that to your child. So I, so I go, I go, I go, will your eyes still remember the taste of my love? So then at least she'll be confused. And I don't remember. <laughs> I can't sing a whole song. So uh, in the second verse, I'll go. Even though I don't know all of the words, I know you will still love me the same. So I just I sing her two verses. Can I just say, first of all, like over the course of this um, quarantine, one good thing that's happened is my family and I have been using social media or like, you know, Zoom and WhatsApp to reach out to each other more than we ever have done for the last God knows how many years. So I feel really nice about that. And especially my dad, who I've had a very tempestuous relationship with, he and I have reconnected in a quite a beautiful way. I was talking to him in the cars, you know, he was on the speaker as I was driving home. And it's feel really nice. And you singing like that, she will remember those things because you just singing in that sort of low dad voice, you know, when like dad sing a lullaby, it's really nice. It actually, closing yeah. my eyes and listening to you, I, I felt a little bit like I wanted your big, strong, muscly, now pumped, tattooed arms wrapped around me, Aaron. Just kissing my yeah. forehead a little bit. My giant five head. Just give me a nice little kiss on my five head. Just hey, saying, forehead's getting when bigger. your eyes, will they remember the taste of my love? That's, that's what I'm going to dream about tonight. That's great. That's been the best thing is that I started putting her to sleep. I never used to do that. Christine used to do it all the time. And then quarantine, I used to do it. I got to start doing it. And now it's down to a science. I tell the stories. Then the lamb tells a story. Then I have to tell a story. She goes, Dada, tell a story. So I, and I have to tell it what about sto- myself. What stories? Do you have uh, go-to books? Because I bought a couple of books. No, I tell any those? Oh, you make them up. You improvise. Yeah. I go, once upon a time, there was a man named Aaron Berg. <laughs> and he had a beautiful daughter named Piper. And one day... He took her out in the backyard to do her balancing. And she was so good at balancing now. She could balance all on her own, even on the high up ledge. And she wanted to do it on her own. And then she went outside and played with her water table. And then she jumped through the sprinklers. All love. The end. And then I... A bit short. A little bit short, isn't it? That's not even really... Some of them are short. If I'm high... Barely a a story. There you go. If you have a puff before you put it to bed... Yeah, then they get longer and I get real into them. But uh, yeah, sometimes, you know, I try to make them not mechanical. I try to make them uh, organic and and not generic and just uh, really deliver. But, you know, stories aren't my thing anymore. I do one-liners, so... What's your um? What's the uh, the best um quality that being a father has brought out in you? What 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 change have you registered in yourself now that you're a dad? I'm anti rape. I don't think rape <laughs> is a good thing. <laughs> I just I just picture I want to raise oh uh, a daughter. She's never in situation. If my daughter ever sneaks out of the house, I will drive with a weapon to find where she is. Uh, all that type of stuff. Oh, dude, know? yeah, but I'm, I, yeah, I feel that. I feel that. That that's something that happens. Uh, you know what? I don't know if you got this. When I was raising um, my ex's little girl for five, what, well, four and a half years, I would something that I never thought would happen. I never could have imagined. I um started to preemptively question whether every single adult male especially but every single adult she came into contact with whether or not they were pedophile it was a weird thing that i started to you know if if some one of your family friends is mm-hmm. just like and maybe they, they've got kids so they're good with kids and they know about it and i don't i don't re- register that i just see like a dad being like hey and having a on his knee and being like oh tell me about that this is a very pretty dress and i'm sitting there and i'm going oh this is really nice but in the back of my head i'm going i'm going i'm gonna see yeah. how long he he lets us sit on his knee for like i wonder yeah i was I'm walking gonna, down the street head. with her the other day and she's in her uh wagon and i'm pulling her and this old man walks he's like oh she's so cute and i was like who the fuck are you looking at the fuck, <laughs> the fuck keep it to your fucking self i don't need to hear you talking did you, about did my you, did you say that to him no but i gave him that look like we 
What are you fucking doing? I don't, don't need to know how me. hot you think my child is, you fucking creep. sicko. But in his head, he was just reminiscing his own little daughter when she was a baby. And he was just going, It's possible, so yeah, but yeah. I don't need to hear it. Keep your fucking thoughts to yourself. All kids are cute, you sicko. <laughs> Piece of shit. It's funny, isn't it? It's like just like projecting our animalistic fears onto people around us that's really what it is it's just going like yeah. well i know i need to protect this little creature and now i just assume everything is a threat to her you know yeah and my wife and i watch below deck together now have you ever seen it which one below deck it's about what is these, it? a movie? Uh, these yachties it's a reality show on bravo these people work on these high-end yachts where people pay like a hundred grand a week to go on and it's about all the staff and yeah. how they argue and that these douches come on the, the boats and stuff like that. Is it it's reality? Really, it's a reality show, is it? Yeah, it's, it's fun. It's a fun watch. And it's called what? Yachties? Below Deck. Oh, Below Deck. Okay, Below Deck. Yeah. All right. And then you... there's spinoffs. Below Deck Mediterranean, Below Deck Sailing Yacht. You would love it. You should go work on one for a year. Dude, I met a girl in Malta. I went out there with, this was prior to my girlfriend. So I used to go and do this event in Romania every year with a couple of friends. They're a couple and they're swingers. So every time I'd go there, um, they'd throw a party, invite 10 to 12 girls and all of them would be fucking flawless Eastern European goddesses. You know, they're probably average out there, but they look like... So you're saying you went to Jeffrey Epstein's (laughs) Epstein's Island in Romania. They were all over the age of 21. Yeah. So... And, um, but yeah, uh, we'd go there and we'd like, you know, we'd get loose. We'd have a few drinks, fuck, blah, 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 have some fun. One year we went to Malta on a holiday to meet one of the girls that they knew out there. And um, we all hung out. We went to a bar and we met this girl. I met this girl from England originally, but lives in New York. And she works on one of those super yachts. She works for this um, this uh, uh, gay producer who has invested his money. He's a multi-billionaire. He has a yacht that his his yacht upkeep costs every year is something like $50 million a year to upkeep the yacht. Because it wow. has the yacht, the super yacht, has a smaller yacht on it. So you know the big yachts that people drive around at Cannes Film Festival and throw their parties on? He has two of those slung on the sides of the super yacht. That's how big this fucking thing is. Okay. And, um, and she was telling me stories. She said they get up to crazy shit on those things. Like everyone fucks each other. They do like crazy parties. Because the, the, the people who own them are on them maybe. They're like Saudi princes or multi-billionaires or trillionaires. You know, they're, they're on it maybe maybe a week of every year. They actually get yeah. on this fucking thing. And she said the rest of the time, what their job is, is to travel the yacht to the location where the person is. And that's what the expense is, the fuel costs after you've bought the fucking thing. But they travel it from place to place to place just in case the prince of whatever goes, I want to get on the yacht today. Come to my yacht. You know, maybe he's got like, you know, some 11-year-old boys he wants to, you know, that happens in the Middle East. They all have hotels out there with a certain floor. That's another thing I heard. I heard that from, which comedian did I hear that from? I heard that from a comic who went out to do shows in the Middle East, got paid whatever the fifty thousand dollars for the 12 minutes of stand-up he ended up doing or not 12 minutes 32 minutes of stand-up he was going to do an hour show after 32 minutes the saudi prince he was performing for who'd seen him on tv that's why he booked him and wanted him yeah. stood literally in the full room uh where people would be laughing he was given very set rules you can't tell jokes about religion or about uh or about men versus women or what there was a certain rules no sexual stuff and then after 32 minutes, the guy just sta- the prince just stands up halfway through one of the guy's jokes and just goes, and everyone stands up and just starts applauding, and then they all just start filtering out. And he's like, uh, uh, "Okay, thanks for." <laughs> and it wasn't because he wasn't enjoying it. It was just like he's so wealthy. He was like, "Yeah, 32 minutes of this is exactly what I needed, and I'm done now. That was great. See you later." And just got up and walked out. Said thank you to the guy. He gets taken to another room where he gets given cash in an envelope. And then the guy goes, and please, the uh, the sheikh would like you to take a, uh, a present. And he takes him into a room that is bigger than probably my apartment. And it's lined with boxes and presents everywhere. And he goes, you can take anything you like. And the guy goes, to, says to the lad, he's like, I, I don't, I don't, I don't know what to do. I've ne- no one's ever presented me this thing. And he goes, if you want my advice, get one of the small boxes over there. It's going to be a watch. It's probably a, a high-end Rolex. It's going to be worth like 50000 100000 whatever. Go and take one of those. And he goes, okay. 
takes one and just opens it. It's like, all right, thanks. But he um, he said that when he was there, he was talking to a lot of staff, and some of the staff told him that these sheikhs have like multi-million dollar hotels they own in the Middle East, in Dubai. Sorry, it's in Dubai, right? And they uh, have one floor, even though homosexuality is punishable by death in that country, they all dabble. Like women are for making babies and the boys, the young boys are for fucking. And they had, uh, they have a floor on the hotel which is just populated by attractive young men. And these boys are young. I'm talking like kids. They're children. Incredibly disturbing. Yeah. Was the comic American or British? English. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or might have been, Can- might have been Canadian actually. Who was it? I don't think any Canadians ever gotten 50 grand for a gig. Oh, dude, you know people like uh, Russell Peters does those gigs all the time. Uh, all the time. Yeah, he does okay. them all the time. And he's, yeah. Canadi- he's Canadian. There you, go. you know, but... It could be Russell. It wasn't Russell who told me the story, yeah. no. I know Greg Regal went out to one of those shows with Russell and got a yeah. Rolex. He got a high-end Rolex from just like, just as a present. Yeah. Russell used to give people Rolexes for opening for him. Yeah, yeah. Russell's uh, Russell's very well to do. Except he didn't very give good. Gina Yashere one, did he? Didn't give her no, one. I, and she got I, I angry about. And he took he took some of her gags apparently, and she's like very vocal about how much she fucking hates. Yeah, Russell Gina Pierce. was very angry about that. I remember yeah, yeah. Russell. Said, yeah, Russell had he he was dealing with that for most of his career. People were kind of going after him for that type of stuff. I'd be pissed at him. I'd be pissed at him if someone took my joke and then also promised Somebody me. Somebody took one of my jokes and did it on their Netflix special in the last who? month. They're they're a big comic. But tell me who? Why I are you not going to tell me? I did not. I did not make a stink about it because I stopped doing the joke eight years ago. And everyone's like, it could have been parallel thinking. I've only worked with him once. I don't know if it was a a, a jack or if it was just, you know, the guy just did the joke. But do yeah. you think do you think maybe the guy eight years ago when he performed with you heard? It no, he didn't perform with me eight years ago. He did not see me do the joke live, but I did the joke on TV 10 years ago. Oh, well, then you just, should absolutely call him out. What's the point? I don't do the joke anymore. What's the point? Because you why am be I going to upset uh, you know, Crystalia, who should be a happy guy? <laughs> Is that who it was, Crystalia? It was Crystalia, yeah. And someone, the day his special dropped, three minutes in, someone goes, hey, he's doing your joke. And it was it was my opening joke for 10 years. Which one was uh, it? Tell me the joke. I work out a lot, as you can probably tell. I just like to do my upper body, though. I don't like to do my legs. It takes too much time and energy. So now my upper body's all puffy. My legs are fucking tiny. You put me in a pair of tight blue jeans, I just look like a gay genie. <laughs> he says Almost that. word for word. Oh, yeah. Almost word for word. Bro, if you have a recording televised of that I do, joke, but then you should absolutely uh, I, call that shit out. He should fucking pay you for the joke, or he should stop doing it. I'm sure a he's probably stopped doing it. B his special got annihilated in reviews. People said it's some of the worst stand up to ever come out of any. <laughs> so you don't even want to claim ownership to the joke. No, like, <laughs> and see, it's like I don't do the joke anymore. It happens in the fucking business. It happens, and it could be. It's not parallel thought because he doesn't look like a gay. Nah, he, nah, nah. He's not. But it's also like, I don't think he's digging through looking for jokes to steal. I think it's probably something he heard somewhere that worked its way in. If, if I don't another know, man, he was meant to come on my, he was meant to come on my podcast. I, 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 I've said for a little while, I don't, let's not get into a shit talking session, but no. I don't want to finish up the podcast like that. But I do, no. I am wary. I'm wary of certain people based on the behavior they, they, they display. And since I moved to LA, there's been a number of wonderful, great, talented comics here who are very kind and warm and inviting, and you can tell they're good fucking people. And there's been a couple of people who've been a bit sneaky. Mm-hmm. And he's he's struck me as sneaky. And yeah. I don't know I don't know if that's just, you know, which is a shame because, you know, plenty of people just go, oh, you're like a British Crystalia. And that's frustrating to hear. Before that, yeah. it was Russell Brand, who is absolutely an abhorrent, two-faced, vindictive little cunt. But... right. You know, it's like, well, now I have to face the reality that maybe every comic that I bet mildly resemble is an awful human cunt. being. That's <laughs> and that's the that's why I am the way I am. Yeah. I can't help Hilarious. it. It's coding. It's yeah. genetic coding. If you look this good, you're going to be a yeah. douchebag. Yeah. 
I mean, I, I don't know what to say about him. I, I don't know him that well. I've only worked with him once, and uh, th- that's it. But I have so many better jokes now, and I don't, you know, I don't, I don't time. You know, Schumer had the thing where she was, you know, yeah, but she doing had about jokes, seven or eight the- jokes that were lifted yeah. from other people, from Attell and Patrice and various other comedians, you know. It, it happens. It's not it's not the end of the world. You know, if you're prolific and you're writing enough, if there was something I was doing, if it was a joke that I was really proud of that I had in my repertoire right now, I would absolutely go head to head and call him out. And I would be uh, he would be Dane Cook and I would be Louis C.K. back in the old days. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So Except it's amazing to be, to be floating under you. that level of fame, you know, where people are like, who is this guy? Because, you know, within comedy circles, we all know each other, but other people would be like, who's this guy claiming that crystal? Yeah, 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 yeah. So and you'd, you'd, you'd immediately a have 100,000 of his, you know, 11-year-old fans jumping on your socials going, fuck you, Aaron Berg, this is his joke, you don't even know, shut up, you have... It's just not yeah. worth the hassle, is it, and the headache? That's a it shame, though. Because be I if think I had a been, weekend. I had a thing recently with Patton Oswalt um, where I did a, um, a video at the big, very beginning of quarantine and it was uh i came out on a rooftop it's not it wasn't uh i don't think the most unique idea or concept that's ever been had in comedy and i'm certain that other people had the same idea around the same time but i just did it like a thing where i went on a rooftop in new york city and i started doing stand-up so it starts out the shot is focused on me doing some jokes about quarantine and then it pans around to all the rooftops and no one's there and then it just pans around and there's just my buddy sitting on the floor on this rooftop watching me and he heckles me. And I'm yeah. like, it's not a fucking double act, do you know what I mean? And then I just carry on going. So the idea that the one audience member I've got, I can't even entertain properly. It's just a joke. Yeah. And it was based off the fact that all these Italian videos were coming out of people singing together on rooftops and blah, blah, blah. And I wanted to make a, a, a comical, you know, here's the other side of what that could really be like, you know, for comedy. Anyway, but it, it did really well. It started to get a huge amount of um, traction and it got like a load of likes and stuff. And then a couple of, a few days later, Patton Oswalt re- released a video and it was not just this, exactly the same setting, length, co- like timing, all of that. It was also shot to the letter exactly the same way. It starts with him, pans around to an empty neighborhood, pans around except he has his daughter there and she heckles him she's like you stink or something and then it cuts back to him and he's like oh okay well, well uh, uh anyway uh, what's the deal with you know what i mean and um yeah i wouldn't have known about it because i don't follow or didn't follow him and except for chrissy mayer actually uh from compounds you know uh yeah. said oh i i much prefer the original jeff leach version of this and then yeah. a load of people started commenting a load of other comics tagged me in it blah 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 blah, blah. and i reached out to him and i was just like Hey man, um, like I understand parallel thinking and parallel thought and stuff like that. I'm not an idiot, but this is too perfect a reproduction. It just feels a bit shitty. And you know, it, it, after a bit of conversation, he ended up retweeting my version and went, "Oh, it looks like Jeff Leach got here first with this idea." Uh, you know, blah 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 blah, which was nice. Brought a few eyes yeah. to it. My video still got you know one hundredth of the amount of views that his got. And then what happened that really fucked me off is then later on. BuzzFeed took his video and put it on their site and he deleted the retweet of my version of the video Ah. almost to be like, well, now it's going to be monetized or publicized or whatever. I'm going to get rid of my version. And I had to call him out publicly and go, why did you delete my version of this retweet? Why did you delete your retweet of my video now that you've sold that content to BuzzFeed? Yeah. That's fucked up and now you're literally taking my shit and just passing off as your own because you don't want any kickback from that blah blah and he was like oh sorry man it was a mistake i didn't even realize i'd unretweeted blah 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 blah. so he tweeted again but Uh, i mean you know you like i think it's important to call out when people pilfer other people's shit because especially if you're crystalia crystalia is not an unfunny guy he has a couple of bits of material that are fucking hilarious i didn't enjoy his last show myself personally but i did laugh incredibly hard at his whole bit about drunk girls ordering at drive throughs and blah blah blah. i think it's a really funny right. act out it's a really funny bit so he's he's clearly got talent and he's successful so he must be good at what he does even if it's not necessarily subjectively for everyone 
Right. And you have a fucking responsibility to not take other people's shit, man, or to check what your writers are doing as well. You know, that's why yeah. Schumer's excuses made meant nothing to me. Yeah. Write your own material then, if your yeah. writers are stealing from other people, you fucking lazy person. You got it. All right, there you go. I'm glad that I did the rant, so you didn't have to. Good. Thanks for <laughs> doing the rant. <laughs> I'm sorry, man. Anyway, I'm sorry that happened to you. You should get some sort of payment out of that. It doesn't really bother me. I just like uh, I like uh, being able to mention it. That's All right. Where I'm at. Tell me how people can be made to be uh, joyful and laugh at the wonderful thing that is Aaron Berg on stage and on screen through Zoom or compound media oh, do well, i'll be live at stand-up new york on sunday if you live in new york uh comedy is returning to a comedy club oh Stand wow up new york. social distance sunday. show are they gonna sit people social distance outside 5 30 p.m on sunday myself mark norman some other really good comics will be outside. on the show how are they doing it outside we'll see uh, they may shut the street down. I don't know what they're doing. But okay. uh, and my new album, American Etiquette, is available wherever you get albums. Amazon, uh, iTunes, Google Play. My documentary, 25 Sets, you can get it wherever you get documentaries. Not Netflix. I don't deal with them. Let Amazon me it, Let Prime. me give it a bit more, a bit more uh, about that. 25 yeah. Sets was uh, a record-breaking attempt that you were successful in to perform the most stand-up comedy sets in a city in one night that any comedian has ever done in the history of comedy. And you managed yeah. to do 25, 25 sets in one night. Really yeah. good watch. And also American Etiquette, very, very hilarious. Definitely worth a Thank listen, you. ladies and gentlemen. So make sure you check that out. Uh, and obviously, they can also check you out on In Hot Water. That's still going on, right? It's still In Hot Water, Monday to Thursday, Compound Media, Gum Fridays on Patreon. Patreon.com slash Gum Fridays. That's a hilarious show. Myself and Gino Bisconti. Check it out. I love you, man. You're a great comedian. Love You're you. a great guy. And I'm glad to see this uh, this calm, new stoner Aaron. <laughs> Thanks, man. I look forward to being read a, a TV, a, a, a little bedtime story by you soon in person. Yes, it'll be wonderful. Thank you for having me. You're texting now, I can tell. Bye. No, bye.